Hello and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Jake Valentine, who is an assistant coach and the recruiting coordinator at Washington State University. To support the podcast, all follows, ratings, and reviews are appreciated. And now I present to you Jake Valentine. I, I guess, you know, the, the good icebreaker would be like, what's been your first impressions of Washington State, you know, the team, you know, going into like your first fall? Yeah, so... um lot of a lot of new faces for not just myself obviously but mm. um also the program in general um you know it was a it was a big turnover so we had like i think we have 25 new guys um wow so, yeah yeah so um that was kind of my job um mm-hmm. getting here um but it's been awesome man it's a really really uh baseball savvy mature group um mm. Yeah, and so it's a it's a unique uh, coaching experience in regards to you can have really mature man to man one on one conversations, and hmm. um, they take it the right way. Um, there's not a lot of like immaturity, um, and the cool part is Coach Green does such a good job of like building the culture piece of it up hmm. um, that all the guys know how much, how deep our care level is for them. And Mm -hmm. so they understand where the conversations are coming from. It's never like out of left field or anything like that. So the group's been, it's been a a really cool group, obviously Mm -hmm. new to me. So like creating the relationships with, especially on the position player side with my job, but um, just in general, learning about everybody's history and story to get here so that yeah, um, you know, we can have a really good relationship with our work. So now you mentioned culture. I want to stay on this sort of culture piece with regard to the amount of new faces coming in. I mean, we can agree that that is like a huge group, huge, a huge, like group of new players. So yeah. with that, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got like over two thirds, I think, of the team now is is new. So how do you like help those you know new guys come in and make them feel like home immediately so they can kind of, you know, become, become more comfortable quick, you know, in a new environment. Yeah. I think it's unique for me because I was new too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we kind of get to go through it together. Um, and um, the, the part that coach green does such a good job here at Washington state is we do a lot of both leadership um, relationship and like team building exercises, whether that's bringing in a specialist to help us with it, or just doing some exercises in the classroom setting. Hmm. Um, and so our guys, you know, it's kind of funny, we're hitting on this right now, because we actually just had team elite in here last weekend, um, which was first time hmm. I've ever done it. Um, one of the coolest experience I've ever had in my life. Um, and, you know, the guys were able to share some real personal stuff, and it really allowed our group to um, tighten up and lean in a little bit more um Mm. and uh yeah the the culture piece I think in regards to beside before that is I mean everybody's the same and just treating everybody the same um and then just letting the relationships and the leaders organically happen as opposed to you know I think we've all done it different ways we've had leadership Mm -hmm. councils we've had captains you know you do that whole deal but I think especially with such a big um you know flip in the roster is I think just allowing them to um, organically create their own leadership group without us Mm. you know getting in their way Um, but then also us also us understanding what we're seeing happening and then trying to empower those guys who Mm. are doing a good job of it yeah it seems like the meshing it kind of has to happen organically because there isn't that group that's a, a large group of returners that are saying like, okay, this is how things have been going in the past. Like this, we're going to keep on this. It's like, oh, you kind of have to like reinvent it a little bit or just yeah. see how, you know, all those new guys uh, kind of mesh, like I said, but you do, like you said, have older guys, which, yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to ask now, like, cause you said it is different. Like they're more mature. You're able to like yeah. kind of interact with them in a different way. So like, how is that kind of like, benefited or can like you just elaborate on like how you like to you know communicate with those older guys and like the advantages that that brings to like a team versus having like maybe a little bit of a younger and inexperienced team yeah I think I think you can dive uh 
dive a little deeper into both like the you know from a from a baseball standpoint like the swing or from defense you can get really really detailed and advanced with the conversations you're having mm. um but then also it's uh the competition piece is more the focus because all the other they know what's expected they know what is necessary to win yeah. so now it's more just about so you're not like the mechanics of stuff is maybe a little bit less and it's more of like making sure we do a good job as a coaching staff of creating an environment that breeds competition. Mm. So I think the, I think the environment piece is the part that we really, really tried to hammer in the fall and obviously early spring. Um, yeah. let, let the environment create the outcome we want, as opposed to like really uh, focusing too much on like the mechanical side. Interesting. Okay. And you know, you were talking about how you brought in team elite, you know, I've heard of team elite. Can you like, you know, touch in uh, just a little bit like on what that experience is like or something you maybe got from it as a coach or what you kind of hope like your players were getting from it and maybe like share a little bit of that experience. Yeah. Hold on. I got my notes right here. One sec. Oh, you took notes. Okay. Oh yeah. Big note taker. So that's awesome. Um, You know, I think, um, the biggest, the biggest piece um, from team elite is, um, you know, Dino, the guy that runs it, he, uh, he really helps you with like the mindset piece. Um, it's not just like a, a raw, raw cheerleady, you know, getting like pumped up there. I mean, there is some genuine uh, pieces of that that happens mm. um, like throughout it, but more than anything, it's an educational um, deal and he studied what he does is he studies a lot of the best competitors and the best winners um, in the world and takes what, you know, pieces from all of them to create a program of to help educate the guys on how to create a winning mindset, ultimately, mm -hmm. um, but then also how to create a, a winning culture within the locker room, because that's that's the, that's the biggest piece is I think, um, you know, the buzzword, if you will, in the coaching is player led right? That's why everybody yeah. talks about player-led. Sure. Um, and I'll say that, like, yes, you want the locker room to be completely player-led, but ultimately, right, like, forcing 18 to 20-year-olds to lead an entire organization, um, that's not realistic. Um, sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think back when I was 18, 21 years old, I probably could barely lead my dog around the block. But, <laughs> um, you know, what? you have to... Um, give them tools to get better at it. But um, it's more about bringing everybody, the staff, the coach or the players, the support staff, like everybody together towards a common goal and understanding where everybody's coming from, from a background standpoint, mm. and then understanding, Hey, there's like these pieces we have to hit from a, that winners do. Yeah. And now how do we get to those places or, or what does this mean to you? Um, and then trying to explain it so that everybody ha is on the same page of, cause his big deal is these 13 winning steps. And, you know, that's, mm. that's something that we've, um, it's for us on the coaching side, it's been great because we're able to keep it alive because he's able, he's been able to give us these tools, um, or checklists yeah. roadmaps, um, to help the guys stay in check and not get off course. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of structure to that any team of 35 guys needs like the ability to implement that and then also like stay consistent with it i mean that's like you're saying like that's kind of just you know something that especially a whole group of 25 you know out of 35 new guys definitely needs in a program now you're a recruiting coordinator too so i want to ask how that ties into your recruiting because like you said like you're trying to breed guys who are on your current team you know, to have that winner mindset, to build it, you know, and like, obviously that in theory yields results, like, cause that's what that's we've what seen with the best winners, you know, winners win. And yeah. I just want to ask how that ties into like the recruiting for you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was lucky, I was lucky enough to be at University of Portland the last seven years. Um, and we went, you know, from statistically one of the worst division one teams in the country to um, one of the best teams on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the, the piece that I'm able to take from there to here, cause it's, it's, it's very different, but very similar at the same time, mm -hmm. um, is, 
a place like Pullman, like you were talking about with the weather, right. And the culture and stuff like that, like it's a, it's a hard place, um, in the baseball world. Um, and so you have to recruit hard players, um, Mm -hmm. that embrace that type of mentality. So it's, it's obviously getting the best talent you can, right. Cause good coaches have good players. Great coaches have great players. Like, Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, it's the players. Um, but we also have to get as high a talent as we can that also is the right fit. Um, because there's, there's definitely a type of fit, um, in Pullman, Washington and at Wazoo. Um, and we're just trying to do a really, really good job of finding those type of guys. Um, you know, we want guys that want to be a Coug. Um, and I think, I think it's unique because, obviously the Washington state brand is nationally known. It's actually one of the um, most known trademark with the kook head. Um, you know, it's the only flag on college game day. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really, really cool things to Washington state. Um, and so in breeding that up with our recruiting, it's like, Hey, when you bring in a, a big group of dudes that live and breathe kooks, um, mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit easier to work every day. Cause there's no, uh, distraction you know what i mean it's not like oh, mm-hmm. it's a little bit cold today it's more like hell yeah it's cold we're gonna we're gonna yeah, practice yeah. this and and when when dudes come play here it's gonna suck for them and it is what it is and we love it hmm. it, it makes me think of like david goggins like it just embracing the suck you know exactly that's exactly yeah. right yeah. yeah i think about that all the time like especially if i'm in a situation where i'm like oh man, this is not ideal. No, this isn't optimal, but Hey, we're here. Like we're going to do it, you know? Yeah. Like in team Lee, it was actually perfect. Cause um, he talks a lot about it. Like real winners, when it gets hard like that, like when it's not easy, you either lean back and kind of, uh, or you lean in and get more of it. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of what we're trying to get is a bunch of dudes that love to lean in um, and just, just get after a little bit. Yeah. I- I already talked to this guy beforehand, you know, before knowing you were going to come on, but Tony Buetto is like the guy that comes to my mind when I think about this stuff. Like he's yeah. a guy like he could, you could be, you know, or he could be anywhere in the country, right? Like on in any environment, any team, it doesn't matter. Like he's going to be the same way. And I think kind of just like that type of personality too, is like very easy for a, a coach like yourself to recruit as mm-hmm. well. So and just to stick on the recruiting side of things, um, you know, we're talking about a lot of things that are related to off the field type of stuff. Like, you know, these are character traits and stuff like that. Right. So for you to, you know, recruit players and like successfully, successfully get these guys that, you know, have these characteristics, like what's the approach there besides obviously, you know, you can watch them on the field and see how they play, but then there's this whole other side, you know, that is, like your mentality, your characteristics, like we're talking about right now. So like, what's think, the approach there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's not that different from a lot of people in regards to like the actual, cause anybody can tell who the best players is on the field. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, um, but I think more than anything, it's doing a good job on the back end of um, making sure the, the fit is right. And I know sometimes the fit is a little overused in the recruiting, like, um, I think it's the buzzword this year, right? Like there's always buzzwords on that side, but sure. Um, you know, like talking to people that um don't have any skin in the game about the kid. Um, mm. like because they're gonna give you an honest, like what kind of kid is he? Um, and then more than anything, man, I like I think it's part of our job and it's the part that I enjoy the most, but the relationship piece, like on the recruiting side, like getting to know them for them, not just on the baseball side. So asking them mm. tough questions um, during the recruiting process. And sometimes that turns dudes off and that's fine. Cause that just, it, yeah. just, it may, it's easier for everybody. Right. Like, like I, you know, I tell all the guys, right. Like, you know, I want to make this a really easy decision for you either way. Yes or no. And, you know, if you say no, that's fine. We'll beat you, but it's okay <laughs> to, to say no, you know, but, um, we want guys that want to be here. So it's, it's just more, I think on the back end side, mm-hmm. uh, and just on the personality side and knowing what red flags could be an issue for, you know, the way that, um, coach green, myself, coach Claggett, coach bell, you know, BC, like how we work with players, mm-hmm. like 
if there's maybe it's not a red flag to somebody else, but it's a red flag for us. And yeah, vice yeah. versa. Like knowing what we work well with. Mm, okay. Yeah, I see that. I'm thinking of like phone calls that I would take as like a 14 year old or 15 year old. And I'm thinking like, okay, that call went really well. Like the fits there or that call didn't go so well. Like maybe it's not a fit. Even if I like to score, like maybe yeah. it's not a fit. And I think, I think, I think whether people want to admit it or not, like within 10, 15 minutes of like a zoom or like a phone call, like you have a pretty good feel on like, if yeah. you guys are driving or not. Yeah, certainly. And, but that can also make your job a little difficult, right? Because it may be a player that you want and you're like, shoot, this guy's good. Like, and he wants to go to school, but I don't know if he's going to fit here. For sure. And I, I, you know, I'd be the first to admit like early on in Portland, like I would probably to try to jam that square block into a circle hole. And, hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he's really good. And then, but it just wouldn't work. Um, Interesting. And like, I think a lot of kids don't understand is that like coaches spend more time with the players than they do their own family. And so like, if, if yeah. we're not going to, if we're not going to get along, it's going to be a long four years. So yeah, it, uh, it, it, it'd be a lot better if you guys just, you know, jived and understood each other. Cause but at the end of the day, it's a family. So like, there's going to be issues, but if we're not able to work through it, then it's mm. just not going to work. Yeah. So I, I guess there is like a level of maturity that you kind of have to display early on as a recruit, you know, to be able to like, you know, not shy away from a problem and, and maybe address, you know, that. It, but again, it's hard to do in these phone calls and stuff like that. Can we like not act it out, but like just imagining like I'm like a 14 or 15 year old, like what's something that um, like stands out to you or you kind of identify where you're like, OK, yeah, like this kid, you know, he's young, he's talented, obviously, like there's that's why we're, you know, trying to get to see what he's like, like this is the thing you know, that I'm like, yes, this is, this is probably going to be a fit. Yeah. I think, uh, um, like when we're, while we're talking, yeah. um, you know, personality is a big one, um, for me. Sure. Like, yeah. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you can't be like a monotone dude and like pretty chill and stuff like that. That's fine. But like, um, it'll take a little bit more for me to peel that onion back um, sure yeah on the phone call so like I mean I'm a pretty out there dude pretty you know loud guy like um and so I drive well with those guys guys with mm. personality um because we're able to banter back and forth whether it's you know I'm a little bit of a sneakerhead so if we're able to you know break it mm. down on some kicks that are their favorite or yeah um, you know like because I like to take the calls because I think on the baseball side um, trusting your eyes and trusting people like you have a pretty good idea on the, from a baseball perspective sure, um, yeah. if they're driven if they're doing good stuff like that so then it's like hey how do we create a connection um, that doesn't have anything to do with baseball like you know do you like the golf like you know that's mm. if there's one thing I'm going to compete at it's um, golf and and sneakers so if we have that and we're able to break it down a little bit but then also talking about other sports what matters to them um, what kind of relationship they have with their parents um, what kind of student they are. Um, yeah. You know, cause I think you can read a lot, a lot into that as well. Like mm, um, yeah. if a dude is a very intelligent guy, but his GPA is pretty low, that tells me he's kind of lazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because he's a smart cat, but he's just not doing in the work. So um, I think you can read into that a little bit too. Um, what I really like to do honestly is have the, like after our first connection, but um, is I like them to go on the back end and come up with 10 questions about our program, myself or coach green or what have you. Um, and so when we talk, <laughs> yeah. when we talk again, have them be the ones asking the questions um, hmm. because then it just becomes a little bit easier of a, a conversation when they're the ones asking. That's so funny. Yeah, Cause I remember having a call when I was maybe 14 or 15 and the coach is like, all right, so you have any questions for me? And I'm like, no, they're like, you don't, you know, do you know anything about the school? I'm like, not really. And this is a, this is like a well-known school. And they're like, yeah. All right, call me back in like 10 minutes, you know, go make, whip up some questions, you know, right. like it makes the conversation so much easier too, when it's like, oh, okay. Like, no, we're, we're trying to help you here. Like, but you got to also show some interest as For well. Sure. It's a yeah. two-way street, but okay. It's we, hard sometimes, you know what I mean? And so oh, like yeah. trying to, trying to help them guide um, themselves Mm -hmm. a little bit sometimes well and it's i don't know like 
what age you're starting to recruit players, but I feel like it just keeps getting younger and younger and younger. I just saw like a 2020, like seven LSU commit or something where I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. 2023 is a senior. And then you got four, five, six. And I'm thinking like, is that an eighth grader right there? Like it, yeah, 2027, that's eighth grade. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's crazy. Like how, how do they, how does that kid know? I mean, maybe he's a local and like, it's like, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. all the pieces are f- perfect. Right. But aside from that, it's like, are we really competing like to commit eighth graders now? Like that is crazy. Like, yeah, I just want to ask like your take on that. And like, if that's really shifted over time too, cause you've been a recruiting coordinator for some time. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely some early connections. Um, mm. I, I can say at the, the places that I've been a recruiting coordinator at that type of recruiting doesn't necessarily, um, work the best, um, just for where we're at. Yeah. Um, but I, I also, I'll say this, I understand both sides of it. Um, and I also understand the negatives of both sides of it um, and the positives. So sure. um, I think, I think you're just going to continue to see it until some type of legislature is passed um, rule wise where mm-hmm. they can sign an NLI as soon as they commit. Um, I think as soon as they sign an NLI, as soon as they commit, that'll um, curb a lot of that um and sure. especially if there's you know some type of um you know if you if you decommit or the coach uh decommits you or what what have you um if there's some type of penalty um through there i think it would slow everything down a lot of because i mean at if we're talking pretty frank when it goes that young what it just becomes is just calling dibs right yeah yeah it really- like dibs on him or you know what i mean and i, I don't want to make it sound like that but that ultimately that's kind of what it what it comes down to but um, yeah and you know everybody does it their their own way and so um you know i know people that recruit really early and are really good at it hmm. um and i know guys that recruit really late and are really good at it so i think knowing what school you're at and then also um how how the landscape is for that particular um group i i don't know i i can't dog on it either way i guess um it's kind of hard I, to because yeah. your situation changes your year as well like for this for year sure. obviously you said you had 25 new guys and you know i i kind of want to ask about those new guys now what percentage of those guys like what's the breakdown of you know high school guys junior college guys transfer portal yeah. guys price i think it's like seven transport uh transfer portal guys handful of high school um and then about um eight to ten juco so it's a pretty yeah. balanced yeah it's kind of like a third of all i guess okay but yeah. right there in itself you're going and getting guys with the experience right like guys who are older like you talked about you know they they have they know what it takes to win you know things absolutely like, things like that and uh, not that i think it's a problem but in terms of like getting you know, those early commits, like, at least in my experience, I've seen so many of them commit as freshmen or sophomores. And then, you know, they get decommitted as a senior. I was one of them. Like it's, it just happens. Like you just kind of fall through the cracks or whatever it may be. And you need that extra time to like go junior college, you know, get your experience and stuff like that. So I'm kind of everybody's, everybody's roads different. Um, And so I, I don't, I can't say either way is bad because it all works out for everybody differently. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say from a recruiting standpoint that, you know, we, I think all of us have to do a better job of is like, man, usually when a kid says no, like, you know what I mean? It's kind of rogue memory. You forget about them because they just said no. Right. Like it's a whatever, but now, now you gotta, you gotta keep that dialed in in your book. Cause who knows three years from now, yeah, same dudes available again. So. Yeah. That I is think, pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, to your point, it's like, okay, I I can't really take this kid if he goes to another school, freshman, right, doesn't play, and then just hits the transfer portal. It's like, no, okay, you need you need to have shown some some level of improvement. So it's a lot easier for you guys to, you know, go uh, junior college or if it's a portal guy, a guy who's maybe a grad transfer or he's transferring after like three years, maybe. And, you know, because that experience piece is so big. Um, oh, it's massive. I think the only, 
the only route where that would switch is if you recruited the guy the whole way through. So he knew who he was mm. uh, and what he could be. And maybe the situation just wasn't the right fit. Yeah. Um, Cause we've had that before too. And it, so it's that, I feel like it's, everybody has their own story. So. Mm. Okay. So in terms of like goals for the fall or like perf- maybe performance wise, it could be like, we've been talking about team chemistry sort of um arena um do you have any like concrete goals for the fall or is it like okay we just gotta you know i don't know de- we're, we're just trying to you know develop we're just trying to progress here and keep progressing yeah i think um i think every fall is different depending on like what combination of players and what the previous experience was yeah um, you know like i think if you have a team uh, that's heavy of returners like you're probably going to have a little bit more concrete of goals um, Mm. where I think if it's a pretty, um, you know, influx team in regards to like a lot of dudes that are new, I think it's probably a lot more sitting back at first um, to find out what you have. Yeah. Um, And then, cause I think one roadblock that a lot of people can run into is, um, you know, trying to make them all the same. Um, as opposed to seeing what you have and then building your goals off of what you have. Um, hmm. You know what I mean? Cause every, every group's completely different. Um, yeah. And so I think sitting back, but seeing what you have and then designing a, a plan or a program based on what you have might, might yield a little bit better results than coming in with these hard and fast goals, not knowing what you have yet. And then, you know, halfway through be like, we're not anywhere close. And it's like, well, you don't have that type of player. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, in terms of like the player development side, because like you said, you know, it, it's pretty individualized in, in a way, you know, baseball is a team team sport, but individual sort of development is very important. So Huge. Uh, yeah. So in the fall, what's the balance there in terms of like building that competitive nature and, and that sort of team chemistry through, maybe scrimmages and the individual development piece of it. Yeah. I think if you break the fall into like thirds, I feel like that first third is huge in regards to just the personal development, like one-on-one or, or, you know, similar swings. So maybe two or three um, on one, but like Mm. it's huge on the development side and you don't want to carbon copy guys. Cause like, um you don't want to change what they already do well because otherwise why'd you recruit them um there's a reason that you recruited that guy is because you like them so um trying to make them better from an individual standpoint and then i think in the middle then you start blending it a little bit to where it's a little bit more of a team development and then i think towards the the final third is when everybody's kind of on the same page and their personal develop is continued then it's just then you create an environment of competition Okay. And then, you know, tie that into kind of where we're at right now. We got, what is it like eight days until the season begins? I mean, it's, yeah. it's coming up, you know, so this is kind of yeah. where uh, things are being a little bit more solidified. I would assume like, what's that looking like right now? You know, for yeah, the I think, team? I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty competitive and I think people are kind of smelling the blood in the water, if you will. Like, yeah. Um, where like, yeah, man, I'm close to being one of those top two guys or, you know, man, I got to really pick it up. Um, and then, so I, I think you see a lot of guys going either way, right? Like, I think mm. there's a lot of separation happening where the, um, the real guys are like not sped up and they just understand that they're, um, they're supposed to go a certain direction at a certain speed and they're doing a good job. Mm. And I think you have some guys that with, you know, classes, the stress of the travel roster, um you know like season approaching like you can see them starting to stress out a little bit and maybe go the other direction and so I think it's Mm. um I think you're just seeing a little bit of a separation happening Hmm. can you talk about like some of those guys that are doing pretty well and like um maybe exceeding expectations even and like the things that they're doing that you think are leading to that yeah I think um we're talking about I think what you see is the guys that are really taking that next level um, mm. from last year, like sure. where they were at last year. And now you see them this year is um, they're just staying really, really diligent in their um, individual routines. Mm. Um, and they're being very, um, 
like whatever it is, it's not for the coaches. It's for them. Like, for instance, we have a guy that comes in um, at 930 every single day. We never see him. We just, he goes, he walks across, goes to the cage, does his 35, 40 minute, whatever his routine is. And then he leaves and it's, but it's so consistent. It's every single day. Hmm. Um, and so by the time, you know, he gets done, when you look at it, you know, he's past some of those guys because it's not a massive amount of work right away. It's just him with that compound effect continuing to pass and pass and pass and mm. pass and now you look at him going into it and it's like ooh, he's special so <laughs> it's uh it's been pretty cool to watch and I think I can draw um from experience on that like the Chad Stevens the Hunter Dozier's the you know the Viscaino Juniors the mm. you know a lot of guys that um kind of made that flip um in regards to their routines and work ethics it's just about being super regular with your work um mm. and finding find creating that routine that allows you to be really consistent so what about the flip side of it then like the guys who are maybe struggling a little bit more particularly freshmen too because i would imagine yeah. like every freshman struggles to some degree for sure so for can sure. you just talk yeah. about that yeah and i think um it's just the complete opposite right where um they don't know what they don't know um and mm. so it's yeah. our job to try to help them create a, a routine. Mm. Um, and then I think the hard part for them is the regularity of it, the monotony of it. Um, yeah. Being great is boring. Um, like it's not like, you, cause you don't get that immediate instant um, satisfaction. You mm. So it's really easy when you've been working on something religiously for two weeks, but it still hasn't showed up it's really easy to hop off the tracks and be like, I'm going to try something different um, <laughs> where the guys that are really, really good. They just understand like, all right, I'm trying to get here. I'm starting here. I just got to stay on the train. Yeah. Just keep, keep going. And uh, I think that's, that's the, that's the part where, especially for high talented guys, I think that's where they become pros or, or just stay good college players. Hmm. is I think there's just a change in how they work. Yeah. Do you communicate that to your players too, especially the oh. ones when you see them struggling a little bit Absolutely. more? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I and, think. No, keep going. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think, I think you're just doing yourself a disservice as a coach. If you're not at least, if you, if you recognize that you, mm. you should at least tell them. Um, yeah. Cause they're not, you know, <laughs> one, they're 18. So, you know, they got all kinds of stuff going on in their head. Um, but two, they're, they're not able to get to that 10,000 foot view and look down exactly what's going on where you do have that kind of a view from a mentorship and a coaching standpoint. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen this before. I can, I can give you the the tools, but ultimately it's you that's got to do it. So yeah, you gotta, gotta communicate. Otherwise you're not doing a good job. Yeah. And there is a bit of like a flip side to that part two where it's like these 18 year olds probably haven't failed a whole lot in their life for and sure it's that first sort of like punch in the face where it's like okay now we're gonna really test you you know so there's there's also that element too where you gotta let them fail a little bit as well absolutely i think that's where you know i'm self-included i know oh yeah um, early in my um coaching career man i just wanted to coach 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 right mm. and you know a lot of those kids aren't ready to listen to till they fail um so yeah you, you gotta you gotta let them fail a little bit so interesting okay yeah. it, and let's take that into the season now because obviously it's coming up and there's gonna be some guys that don't play as much you know so yeah like what's the message there for the guys that you know in their upcoming season aren't gonna be playing as much not getting regular innings because right now everyone's getting regular time everyone's getting their innings every week so it's gonna be a totally different ball game you know when season begins so um like what's the message there to those guys that aren't playing regularly yeah i think uh i don't think i think whatever your role is that day you just try to help them understand that they have a hand in the winning piece hmm. um and that but also understanding that like that doesn't have to be your end role 
Um, like you mm. can always, you can always overtake people. Um, but what you can't do is not buy in because then you're just detracting from the team. Yeah. Um, and so, what you know, a lot, I mean, it's not like we didn't do team elite because it was really, it's about to get really easy. We did team <laughs> elite because we know what's coming. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's about, and so it's, it's about creating that locker room culture um, of a brotherhood to where they'll hold each other um, accountable. So like if somebody is pouting or whatever, um, you know, they can hop on them and like, Hey man, we don't do that. Cause um, you know, there's a, I think there's a video on Twitter right now, but um, it's all about mindset, right? Like um, you're either the one in the arena or you're the one supporting the one in arena. And um, that's hmm. literally the only two things you can be. If you're a good team, you're either doing it or supporting it um and yeah. so anything that's besides that you just if you're a distraction you can just go somewhere else um yeah. and so i think i think being black and white with them i know it can kind of sound kind of callous um <laughs> but at the at the same time it's it's true right like if yeah. you don't like your role within a um within a company um it's sure. not like you can just not do your job um, yeah you still have to do your job and that doesn't mean that your job can't change, but the only way your job changes is if you do a really good job of it. Um, right. And so it's, it's just like that in real life. And so trying to, trying to help them understand like, Hey man, yeah, you, you got a role and maybe you don't um, enjoy your role, but for the meantime, you should try to kill your role um, because that's how you get a better role. Yeah. And the, the, you know, nature of limited opportunities too. that kind of uh, really emphasize the delayed piece of delayed gratification, like makes it so hard for those players. But in a way, you guys still have to kind of help them stay ready. So yeah. is there like a, like a protocol that you guys like follow? Or is there a way that you're going to, you know, do your best to keep those players ready during the season, even though they're not getting game action? Yeah, I think um, I, th I, th I made a actually it's funny you say that I talked to the position players and I made a commitment um, that regardless here, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, so that, you know, a couple couple goals from a coaching standpoint for me to help the guys throughout the season is, um, hmm. you know, I want I want to bring the sauce every day. And what I mean by that is no matter where we're at, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to be the same person energy-wise, the mm. same person supporting-wise. Um, and then I want to create an environment. We as a staff want to create an environment to where we are coaching. And this is cliche, I know, but if you choose to do it, I think it'll help. Is coach every single dude the same way, regardless of where they are on the depth chart. And I think, I think if you do that, everybody has respect for each other. And so they continue to work at the same level so that, that they are ready when, you know, an injury happens or whatever. Um, it's obviously there's going to be dudes that get more reps because they're in the starting lineup, but that doesn't mean we have to treat the other guys any different or coach them any different. Interesting. You know, cause I'm thinking back to teams I've been a part of, the ones specifically the successful ones. The head coach in particular is very good about treating every single player the same. There's no yeah. extra benefits for the, you know, the top guys and the, you know, the guys not getting the playing time being left behind. But I feel like it's really hard for a coach to do. I think you have to be very deliberate with it. I think I think it's one of those where you have it's not because it's not natural. Yeah. Um, and it's so you yeah you have to like be cognizant of the fact that like, Hey man, that dude's probably struggling a little bit from a mental standpoint. Like I got to do a good job of maintaining my relationship and um, you know, at the very minimum have a conversation with him about where he's at with everything and help him yeah. day in, day out. I was going to say, cause the communication part has to be a big, big piece of it. And you know, you've kind of alluded to it being a big piece but in a situation where maybe you're not displaying like the same behavior or the same approach to every single player, do you allow your players to kind of like confront you on that and say like, Hey man, like we, you know, we're, we want to hold we have you a, accountable. We have an open door policy all the time. Yeah. Um, and our guys can come in and talk whenever they want. Um, 
I coach green um, has a couch with two super comfy leather chairs in there. They're allowed <laughs> to go in there and have a conversation with them all the time. Yeah. Claggett has the same setup. Like we would much rather prefer an honest conversation um, than somebody that's like passive aggressive. Um, like, yeah. And if, if this is really a family, then families fight. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? And they have yeah. arguments, but and but the strong families are able to communicate through those arguments um and be stronger because of it. So yeah, I mm. love conversations. And some of them are hard. Um, because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. So if a guy feels that way, um, you gotta say something. Yeah, you'd probably be surprised by it too. You're like, wait, hold on, I, I had no idea. Yeah. But okay, so let's let's talk about like goals for the season. Like, have you established like goals for this season? At least like maybe for you personally, you're like, do you guys have like team goals for the season? Maybe not like record wise, but in terms of like, you know, kind of process oriented things, like maybe you guys are trying to achieve that you think will like lead to those, you know, more wins in the win column. Yeah, you know, um, you know, just being frank at Washington State, um, you know, I think um for us as a staff, we're very process oriented. Um, and so mm -hmm. the position players have a giant, giant goal sheet. Um, but there's five pieces and then there's everything you can do to get to those five pieces. Um, and it is plastered everywhere. Um, okay. I mean, we got, we got shirts, we got, I mean, you name it, like it's on there. Um, just so they know. And then when we talk post scrimmage, post practice, um, it all comes back to those five pieces that we as not just the coaching staff, but as players um, established as our five keys to like, if we do those five things, well, um, mm -hmm. we will win a lot of games. Now there's 25 pieces that lead into those five things, but I think sure. keeping our head focused on just those five and simplifying it really mm -hmm. helps. And then the pitching staff has done the exact same thing. They have their five main um, goals with everything that leads into it. So, yeah, um, yes, we we do a lot of goal setting, but it's all process based. Okay, can you talk a little bit about like both the hitting side and the pitching side in terms of just like where you guys think that you're at or like where your strengths might be for this season? You said you had a yeah. older group too, so I just wanted to kind of you know break down like you know the, yeah. the pitching and the hitting side for for that. Yeah, so our, our pitching side um, is our, – our strength is definitely our bullpen. Um, okay. We have – yeah, we have three or four guys that are definitive draft guys um, with with plus-plus stuff. I mean, I think, I think Chase Gorillo, I think D1 released – he's like either 10 – he's like top 15 relievers in the country. Um, yeah. And he's given up two hits – all fall and spring um, against a right-handed hitter period. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And there's actually only been six balls put in play. Um, but so yeah, it's stupid, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun being the hitting coach against that guy. Um, Dang. But so our, our pen is definitely our strength. Um, we've brought in some transfers to help bolster our starting uh, rotation. Um but yeah, I, I think our bullpen is is our strength. Um, from an offensive standpoint, I think we're athletic. Um, I think we have a, a good piece of depth. We're able to go um, left or right. Um, I think our balance is in a really good spot. Like from that from that standpoint of like we don't if we want to, we could stack all lefties, we could stack all righties. So I think that mm. part's good. And then, you know, majority of our lineup are sophomore and juniors. So like They've been there, done that. Um, and then obviously we have all Pac-12, J-Mac, um, Jason or <laughs> Jacob McKeon um, returning, who's just a monster. Um, he's just an OPS machine, man. He he's, he has like the, I think it's top 25 um, lowest um, chase rate in the country. Um, and he's a power hitter. So like it's, it's like you're going to have to throw him a strike because he's not going to swing and then he'll put it over the scoreboard. So it's. Yeah, it's a really, it's a he's a really really good player. So just um, yeah. building the offense around him's been pretty fun. Interesting. It's because you know you said your bullpen is the strength. I feel like that's not super common in college baseball. It seems like it's a lot more the flip side where it's the starter. You got a few good starters, and then it's like you figure it out in the bullpen. 
you know, yeah. but, but in a way you guys can kind of like Tampa Bay raise it where it's like, you don't even need starters so much as you just need guys to get you to the bullpen, right. you know, right. like just to keep you in the game. So yeah. it's very interesting. And is that, is that like, is that by intention or is that kind of more like the, the pieces just kind of fell into, I think a little bit of both. Style? Okay. I think a little bit of both. Like, Mm-hmm. Um, I think just within the graduation and draft piece, it's kind of created that. And then also um, guys have just found their uh, roles. Um, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Okay. That's interesting. Now, because you guys are Pac-12, which is obviously a very competitive conference. And, Absolutely. You know, and your guys' location as well is, you know, unique, you know, to, to yeah. the Pac-12 too. So like, I'm just curious, like, uh, how important it is for you guys to kind of like prepare yourself for Pac-12 play in your out-of-conference like schedules. Yeah, I think um, I think if you look at our schedule, the the main thing you'll see is um, we're getting out of the Northwest. We're going to Arizona for a tournament. Yeah. We're in the Tony Gwynn Classic in San Diego, so making sure we get those games in because um, you know sometimes in the Northwest, you know, the weather can flip on a in a hurry. Um, but I, I think more than anything, we just got to establish, you know, who that the core group is. Um, Mm. and so I think allowing us to go on the road and for sure getting those games in will allow us to, um, you know, move dudes in and out of the lineup in and out of the rotation to find exactly what we want. Cause you know, you know, opening weekend pack 12, we're going to Corvallis, you know, um, Mm. and that's a, that's a big series in, in regards to Pac-12 ramifications, and it's right away. You know, the, the Beavs have done an incredible job um, over the last, you know, 25 years of creating a, an awesome product, a, a great environment. I mean, Coach Casey um, did a, a great job. Um, Coach Bailey, Bieski, all those guys, like, they've they created a pretty cool dynamic, and now this new staff is – is there trying to um, continue the same tradition. But so it's, it's not an easy place to go opening weekend. So we got to have our guys ready to go. Can you talk about like the preparation side of that for a weekend series? Um, you know, Maybe not so much as on the pitcher side, because you don't deal too much with the pitchers, but more so like that offensive side in terms of like how you prep your guys for the Friday night guy, the Saturday guy and the Sunday guy. Yeah, I think, um, I think obviously with synergy and all the different technologies, you're able to get a pretty definitive picture of what they're going to try to do against you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you, then you have to design an environment that week leading up that simulates that, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, okay. we're lucky um, with the facilities and the resources that we have um, that we can, you know, create the same spin, the same spin rate, the same angle, um, to attack our guys so that they're used to seeing it so that, you know, come weekend, it's just going through the motions as opposed to something brand new. Interesting. Okay. You know, we haven't touched too much on like the facilities that you guys have. Can you just like, you know, kind of give a breakdown of like what you guys have to offer, like what you like to use for the facilities, how, how you like to use your guys' facilities? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're really lucky, man. We um, it's called the BTO facility back to Omaha. Um, and it's a, uh, everything's here so very unique to i think a lot of schools in the pac-12 um obviously the pac-12 has a lot of awesome facilities um but wsu has done an incredible job of having everything in one location Mm. um we have the weight room we have the you know the food we have the lounge the classroom the indoor hitting facility the um side infield the full stadium the lock everything's right here um and so being able to use that we have a full indoor bubble um so if it, if the weather does get you know too crazy we can go in there and um get ground balls hit um base run all that type of stuff and then mm. our our indoor facility is awesome we have um we have five tunnels um you know mm. full mound so we can kind of get everything done that we need to from a development standpoint yeah i mean i think it's so important to highlight how how crucial proximity is for everything just being able to get everything done in one location yeah oh my gosh that's probably like the first thing i would you know think about if i'm like a high school recruit honestly like that is so so important um can you talk about like the technology side at least just like how you like to apply the tech side to to like your players yeah um 
you know, we're, we're lucky. We kind of, with our, with our budget and um, the technology that we currently have, we're, we kind of have everything. Um, and so, hmm. and so creating a plan for each guy um, cause some guys get lost in it. Um, totally. some, some guys need it all. Um, and so I think the, the part when you're creating the relationship with the player to learn how their mind works, um, I think is a, is a big key, but yeah, like, um, whether it's, you know, synergy or the Rapsodo data or the TrackMan data or the flight scope or the, like, I mean, you name it, you, we can pull it for them. Um, and then it's more just how we apply it to each individual guy. Um, like there's a guy on our team right now that is, uh, the, is literally on silent treatment right now. Uh, cause he gets lost. Oh, in it. Boy. So, so nobody's allowed to talk to him for a while. Um, that sounds so like just, me. That's so yeah, funny. Oh. Yeah. We just give him, we just give him positive encouragement and that's it. And if we ask something, be like, don't worry about it. So, wow. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause you know, you can be data driven, but you don't want to drive yourself into the ground. You know, obviously you don't want to bog yourself down with like, Oh, it wasn't perfect that time. Like I need to switch something up because. Yeah. And I think finding the healthy balance, right. Like, mm, um, you know, yeah. I, I think as a hitting guy, if you go on hitting Twitter, it's like, you know, it's pretty, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty scary on there. It's kind of a bloodbath, but um, yeah, I, th I, I think we try to do a good job of, um, understanding both sides of it um but also understanding how players minds work like if you can't speak the language you can't you can't relate to them um right and so i think all that stuff is just tools that we can use to help develop so if we're not yeah. using it we're doing everybody a disservice have you ever had a player like come to you with like a twitter video and say like hey i like this stuff like let's work on this you know and you're like all right fine i mean yeah if it works for you because Oh, I've absolutely. seen plenty of Twitter videos where I'm like, eh, I actually kind of like that. Like, maybe I'll try it. You absolutely. Know? For sure. You kind of I mean, have to though, right? Like in a way. A, you got to be a learning program. Um, yeah. Think, you know, what? what's that old saying? Like you got to, you got to adapt or you're going to become extinct and you don't want to be a dinosaur, right? Because they all died. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I do want to ask though, because like, I feel like this tech piece is also sort of transformed the player to coach relationship. Uh, I'm curious if you've seen any of that um, kind of shift in the player to coach relationship since you started uh, as a coach. Um, I think, I think you watch I think you watch a lot more film. Um, I think there's a lot more of video work, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. Cause I think it's, I think, I think the way that our, academic system is set up right now it's created a lot of uh, visual learners um and so yeah. i think i think um being able to be savvy with that stuff and being able to cut up stuff um is beneficial to the younger generations because their attention span is pretty quick um and so if you can't hit them in the face with it real fast then um you're probably going to lose them um, and so trying to create an aesthetic and a, and a teaching environment that allows them to really learn is always the goal. Have you and seen so that I'm, translate? I, what I'm saying is I think it's more now. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And I don't know if that is translated over into how the game is run, but I feel like it has, I don't know what, like, what's your perspective on that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's definitely different. I think I think we all tried to I know when I was being coached like hey our coach is going to coach a certain way and you either adapt to it or they'll get somebody else where mm. I think it's more now the coaches that are having to adapt to the players um yeah and, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing um I think there can be a healthy balance both both ways it definitely makes your job a little bit more difficult though because for sure for yeah, sure back then it was like all right if you know if you're not part of if you're not part yeah. of this style then it's like you're just it's just not gonna work out right that's yeah. interesting but like you said it's probably better actually for you yeah know, for i think you, you guys. create a lot closer relationships because of it um, yeah and so i that's a part that i value um and so i i appreciate that part of it all right let's dive into you now i want to dive into you know your coach, your career. Yeah. I want to, we got to get to know you a little bit too. I want to know if you've, uh, if you've always wanted to be a coach, like if you, you know, kind of stumbled into coaching, like how, how that uh, began for you. 
yeah. So I was really, really lucky. Um, my high school coach, Tad Thompson, who's also a former Coug, um, mm. he, uh, he was very impactful on me as both a baseball player and as a human. He was very hard on us. Um, mm. and, but it was good and it prepared me. Cause then I went and played for Donegal Fergus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what a lot of people don't know is that I knew Donegal before the really colorful short shorts and the beard and everything. Um, <laughs> he, he was like clean shaven suit and tie, no tattoos and all that type of stuff. So I, I knew him, uh, before that, but he was, he was super impactful too, just because of the relationship piece. Um, I think he did a really good job for me in that piece. Now, having said that, when I got done playing in Hawaii, I didn't like coaching wasn't on my radar. Like that's not what, sure, yeah. um, I was kind of searching, you know what I mean? I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. So I got into sales, um, and was very successful at it. Um, from a financial standpoint, it was awesome. Um, but definitely boring, definitely not bringing the light and the fire to my life every day. Mm. Um, and then randomly, um, our pitching coach in Hawaii got offered the volunteer job at Stephen F. Austin in Texas, um, for the next year. Um, I, I don't know exactly. I think like the volunteer was going to take another job and he just gave the guy like a heads up. So it was like getting ready for a year in advance. Anyways, sure. he didn't want to leave the Island. So he stayed um, and he said, no, but he said, Hey, um, you should call this Jake Valentine guy. He's, he's <laughs> going to be a good coach. He just doesn't know it yet. And <laughs> um, so I get this random call and I'm like, coach, I don't like, I, yeah, I'll do the interview, I guess. This could be fun or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, lucked out, connected with the head guy really well. Um, we had a, we created a good relationship, ended up getting the job. I don't know how. Um, and accepted a job in Nacogdoches, Texas. And I'll be 100% honest. I I had no idea where that was. Um, I do not. I read either. the name Stephen F. Austin. I was like, oh, sweet. Austin, Texas this is going to be sweet. Um, not yeah. knowing it wasn't there. Um but it was for a year in advance. So I was like, well, I better like figure my stuff out. So I actually moved back to Washington and coached um, my, at my high school um, hmm. for that spring. And it was probably two weeks in to working with those dudes. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is a hundred percent what I'm supposed to do. Um, oh, wow, and, okay. and like from then on, it was just, it was easy. I mean, it was hard because, you know, for five years or whatever it was, I was a volunteer and, you know, I was doing 40 camps a week to pay rent and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But, um, but it, I wouldn't change it for the world. I loved every second of it. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Is there a piece of advice you would tell your old self now? Or if there um, was, then what yeah. would it be, I guess? Invest in the relationship side of it earlier on. Hmm. Um, I think you get more, it's more fulfilling. Um, and then just take a breath, um, understand, um, it's okay to, to listen a little bit more than you talk. Um, that'd probably be the two pieces I would say. Hmm. Okay. I want to ask now about Wazoo, you know, yeah, you're new to it, but you've already gotten your, you know, your taste of it. It's been what about six, seven, eight months yeah. now. I mean, like you're, yeah, yeah you, you've, you got I'm your in. feet wet. Yeah, you're you're in there now. Like you yeah. you're in there. So I want to ask, like, if there's something about Wazoo that not a lot of people know about, like just the school or maybe the the town uh, that not a lot of people know about that that you particularly just appreciate. Yeah, I think um, the community part is huge. Um, from a like for me having a three year old and a one year old, the uh, you know, the community feel, the safety, like, um, it's, it's really, really unique and refreshing. Mm. Um, the other part is just the, the clout that the, um, alumni association has. Mm. Um, I mean, I could be in Georgia watching the world wood bat and on the way through the airport, I'd get 10 go Cougs, um, mm. cause there's just Cougs everywhere. Um, and yeah. so that's, I think that's been the, the biggest piece for me that I'm just like 
man, that people love their Cougs and they're passionate about it. Um, and but it's cool because you know we'll have alums in here and they'll tell us you know what we're screwing up or should should do and and it's not it's not a bad thing it's because they're passionate about their school and mm. um their their experience and so you know you gotta you gotta roll with it a little bit but it's awesome yeah there is something different about that college town feel where you're like For okay sure. I, yeah i feel like there's there's a lot more support here too yeah like yeah, you're talking absolutely. about you know you walk into a restaurant and it's hey coach you know what i mean and it's like yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool um what about the baseball team's in particular, something that, you know, you, you really appreciate about the baseball team, you know, the guys, you know, your, your colleagues that not a lot of people would maybe know about. Um, I think the thing that is really, really cool. And it opened my eyes up as soon as I got here was, um, just the, the degree of type of kids they are. Um, Hmm. like I think, I think we always look from an academic standpoint and then also from an athletic standpoint. And I don't think, I don't think we're able to sometimes cause there's not as many views in to see what impact they have on the community piece as well. Um, like we have this, it's and a lot of this, the only reason we're able to actually see it is it's a, you know, it's something that coach green stresses um, and it's getting into the community and making an impact into the community. Um, and so I think allowing our guys to have that vehicle to do so, they really run with it and they really, really um, appreciate it. So that part for me has been really, really cool to see the type of men and the um, impact that they um, have had on, you know, whether it's like the Roar program um, where there's like some, um, you know, learning disabilities going on um, that they'll bring out for events and our guys will work, um, shoulder to shoulder with and, um, or, you know, some special Olympics type stuff or, um, just getting with the youth programs. And it's, it's just, uh, that's the part that's, that makes it all worth it. Right. Is Mm. obviously we get judged on if we win games. Um, but I think ultimately when you, um, end your career, you're going to judge yourself on the type of men that you created. Mm, yeah i mean i know from my experience in doing kind of the community service aspect too like you kind of gain a a perspective that you really didn't consider before of like how lucky you are to like be yeah in the position you get you're in. to do this yeah oh, you to do this you get to do this yeah oh the get to mentality yeah that's that's definitely something i adopted once i got to junior college oh my gosh yeah, yeah. yeah. um it's so important to have and you know it's not everyone's kind of told like this is probably how you should, you know, you should see things, you know, like it'll help you, you know, you kind of have to learn it, you know? So I love that though. I love the community service aspect of things. Uh, and you talking about that. I have one question left for you. Yeah. Hit me with it. And you're, you know, cause you're a recruiting coordinator. So I'm expecting something big here. Not, not too, Uh you know, but, Uh but, uh, no, I, I'm sure you've done your share of recruiting visits, um, or recruiting trips, you know, and I, I just like to ask if you have like a funny uh, trip or visit that, you know, you did and, you know, it kind of just sticks in the back of your mind. You maybe think <laughs> about it once a month where you're With, like, without oh, a man. Doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. Right. Okay. So especially because, you know, you have a lot of um, relationships within California. Um, this will be great for you. So everybody knows, okay. um, you know, the showball camps um, and they and they do an incredible job. Um, they're well organized they um get a lot of players in front of a lot of coaches it's a a great opportunity but i can never work them again um because the last time and it's more it's more me than them but the last time i was there okay um, and the guys that were there if if they end up listening to this they will crack up because they'll remember it just like it was yesterday but so I'm sitting in the foul line, watching the game going on, you know, in the chair, down the line, watching. Um, and, you know, there's a couple hundred kids, so it's kind of craziness, a lot of go- lot going on. And mm. um, I think it was – I think it was uh, – I think it was Higgy from UNLV. I think it was JK from UW. Yeah. Um, and there was somebody else. But anyways, we're sitting there watching. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this ball – comes flying right by my head and it hits Higgy's chair and then it bounces straight up, shatters my glasses and slices my whole eyebrow open. And I mean, I'm 
I'm gotcha. bleeding like a stuck pig. Like it's oh jeez. And I'm like, and you know, it's like what? And it it's not like it hurt because it was more just like the, yeah. but it was just it was just weird. Anyways, so they do a great job getting me to the hospital, and I'm like, well, that's embarrassing. And at this point, <laughs> I'm like, it's like my second camp ever working, so I'm like, this is sweet. Oh like, man. Um yeah, and then um, <laughs> I get to the hospital and. They're like, oh, it's in your eyebrow and it's not that deep. So we'll just glue it shut. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, this is sweet. Um, and mind you, I'm a volunteer, so I don't have insurance. Um, oh, okay. So this is all straight out of pocket, right? Yeah. Um, and I got no money. Um, and uh, the doctor comes in and has the glue and explains what they're going to do, all that type of stuff. And he starts gluing my eye or my eyebrow shut. And then he goes, uh-oh. And he like pauses and I was like, and I'm sitting there, you know, laying back all and yeah. I'm like, uh, so what? What is it? So he he dripped the glue into my eyeball. And so <laughs> so they had to put this like suction cup thing on my eye and flush it out for like four hours. Um, so it ended up being like a 16 hour deal while I was there. And so now I just vowed I can't go back. So yeah. Oh my gosh, jeez, <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and it's one thing if you, you know, you're a paid assistant, but you're a volley at this point too. Yeah. That's like icing on the cake. Oh my gosh. I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy. Oh my gosh. That's a good story though. That's definitely hey, a good every, story. Every every other trip since then's been an improvement. So <laughs> That's all you can ask for, honestly, like yeah. from there. That's probably rock yeah. bottom, though, as well. Yeah. Um, well, Jake, I mean, that's everything I think I have for you at the moment. Awesome, I know I know you got to bounce a little bit soon, but I really appreciate you coming on. It's It's been awesome. Thanks, thanks honestly, for having me. I appreciate it. And you know, anytime I get to talk about baseball from a development standpoint or even about Washington State, um, obviously, um, would, would love to do that. So I, I really appreciate the time you took to to speak and kind of open a window to us in the northwest so of course yeah i'm happy to do it um all right so i'll talk to you real briefly after we sign off but that right, is perfect gonna go kooks yeah there you go that is going to conclude this week's episode of player to prospect and we will see you next week